Good morning. Excuse me, I'm in the uniform hat killed this morning. <laughs> so, yes. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, this is where you have a scripture of Mark 4, 26 through 29. Uh, this is, you guys, as follows. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, rather he sleeps where he gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the, in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. May God's word shape the us. So during this week, as I was meditating on this passage, on this scripture, um, the word mystery came to mind. I thought of all the things that are mysterious. And oftentimes we spend, um, I, at least for me, I recognize that I spend a lot of my time trying to run away from mystery. Would you, would you say that's correct? I want to know what's happening next. I want to control what's going to happen tomorrow. And so mystery is something that I avoid, like the plague. But if you think about it, all the times of massive growth in our lives, of spiritual growth, of character growth, of just growing as a human being, it, in some way or another involves mystery, right? Uh, it involves the unknown because we step into that which we cannot control, that which we cannot anticipate. And so it requires the heart to be vulnerable in a sense. Would you agree with me, church? Uh, it requires the heart to be dependent. It requires the heart in our fragility to be more relational, to look to others and say, hey, I need you. I need community. And so mystery is something that we avoid, and yet mystery is so very vital to love, to relationships, to growth. Very vital. And this, this parable, this, this story about Jesus telling parables is about the mysterious growth of the kingdom of God. It's about mystery. And as I was reflecting on mystery a lot more, I thought about my children. And for those of you who are parents or were parents, uh, you may understand this. The day that my both of my children were born, I was just in awe, right? How in the world could this little creature like, come out <laughs> and be crying and living and breathing? I don't know how that happened. In fact, my job in the whole thing was just very, very small. Just a small piece. I just love my wife. I take care of her. She did a lot of the eating and the carrying the baby for nine months, right? And other than that, the doctors took over, the nurses took over, and I basically breathed with my wife. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But basically, I had nothing to do with it, right? The miracle of life. The miracle of life. And then when I look at my children now and their faces begin to change and their voices change and they start to have personalities and I'm like, oh, that right there, that was Janice. That was my wife. The way you said that, the way you looked at me with a critical eye and like, why is he my dad? That is Janice right there. Right? And then when I look at uh, my daughter and I'm like, wow, she just smiled and that flash just reminds me of my father, right? That was my father's smile. And it's so weird, it's so mysterious. 
And you can't control it. You can't dictate it. As much as we want to shape our children into who we want them to be, for better or for worse, there's a lot of, there's a lot of what we do, or there's a lot of that happens in the lives of our children that just don't make sense. And actually, we can't really protect our children from danger. That's one of the greatest fallacies of our culture, that we, if we just hover over them or if we protect them, can completely keep them safe from bad influences, from danger. We can help out. And yes, God tells us, right, to care for them, to train them, to raise them up in the word. But really, a large part of things are out of our control. And it's the grace of God and the mercy of God that keeps our children alive and growing, right, and still loving us and not talking back. My children's mysterious growth. And this is what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's as though someone scatters seed on the ground haphazardly, right? This isn't even a farmer who's got his rows, uh, rows all lined up, and he knows the seed that he's going to sow. It's just scatters the seed, woo, and then sleeps and wakes, wakes night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. But the farmer doesn't know how, right? And it makes you think of those people who are the fly by the seat of their pants type people, right? If you're a type A personality, you're like, I hate those people that are like, I'll just wing it. I'll just wing it. It'll get done. I'll just wing it. And you're like so frustrated because you want them to put work and energy and plan things out. And they're just like, oh, we'll just wing it when they get up there. And you're like, ah. And then... When the time comes, it actually, they do well. And you're like, ah, right? They just, they shouldn't be doing well. It should be not so good, right? And this is what the farmer's like. Other farmers around are like, this is the lunatic farmer. He's just scattering seed. And he goes to sleep peacefully. Not a sing, not, no anxiety, no anything, right? No watching to see if it sprouts. They're, he's just like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. And then lo and behold, in the morning, Things are sprouting up, and he, he doesn't know why. And people are like, you should know why, right? But this Jesus is talking about something different than what we're used to, or maybe the way of the world, amen? He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And so if you can hit the next slide, um, Mark chapter 4 is actually very rich. It's a rich chapter because it's full of several parables. And Jesus oftentimes speaks in parables. If you read Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, or the Gospel of Mark, uh, Matthew itself has a lot of parables in it, and Mark here has a lot of parables. But in chapter 4, uh, verses one, uh, 1 through 9, we get the sower and the soils, right? A man is sowing, and some seed fall on on the ground, uh, some, some seed fall on the path, some seed fall on the rocks, and then some on fertile ground. And Jesus is talking about the soil of, and the word and how people receive teaching, truth, and the word. And the soil are our hearts, our receptivity to that teaching. Um, then he talks about a lamp on a stand, verses 21 through 23, saying, right? If you had a light, you wouldn't put it under something and hide that light. You would put it on a stand so the light would shine out. And so is the truth. I haven't come to, t 
to hide the truth, right? What is hidden needs to be revealed. So his point there is, yes, you may be confused by these parables, but the point of me telling parables and bringing this truth is not that to be hidden. I'm not a secret society, and you have to know the secret password or handshake to get the truth, right? This truth is supposed to be revealed. But once again, I think he's alluding back to the main parable, the sower of the soils, and saying, but it has to do with your posture. It has to do about how you receive. Again, the mysterious growing seed, which is our passage, and I'll get to that soon. And then after our passage is the parable of the mustard seed, right? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. But when you plant it, it grows up into one of the largest of all trees. And the birds and the creatures of the air come and um, are cared for in its branches. This is the kingdom of God, right? It starts off small and insignificant. And when the world sees it, it doesn't see it at all. It's like, ha, 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 that's nothing. That's insignificant. And yet, the next thing you know, it's, like, it's grown exponentially, right? And it's a safe place. And it's a place uh, where people take, um, take harbor. And so uh, this is what he's talking about in Mark 4. These are the parables in Mark 4. Uh, if you can hit the next slide. And the theme behind these parables, the, the kind of object of these parables, what Jesus is trying to say is he's trying to describe the kingdom of God. He's trying to describe the kingdom of God. And I was thinking about, let me try to put my, me and myself in the shoes of Jesus. I know, it's not that easy. Put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. He's coming onto the earth, right? Because he loves people. He loves his people. People are made in his image, and they're very beautiful. And what he sees is people hurting one another. And he sees in the temple, right, people being denied access to worship. And what he sees is not joy and celebration, but he sees hurt, right? And some people being declared outcasts or unclean. And some people who are poor and others who are rich. And his heart hurts. And he's like, I need to bring good news to this world. I need to bring myself to this world. And so he comes to the earth and is enfleshed. And John chapter 1 is beautiful. And if you read Eugene Peterson's um, version, we like to talk about this at Renew. Is like Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus moved into the neighborhood because he loved us so much. Right? Because he wanted to love us. And so Jesus is coming into the world and he's like, this is not like how my father intended. This is not a place where if God ruled all the time, if God were sovereign, it would not look like this. It would look differently. But how do you explain to people a different way of life, a different culture, right? You know, growing up, I had a lot of friends. Um, and we, when I was in elementary, we lived in Texas. And I was, I think, the only Korean-American my, in my whole neighborhood, my whole school. And my friends would come over, and they'd try to communicate with my mom. And she'd be like, you go home, you go home. <laughs> like, she's not very welcoming. But anyways, 
They'd say, you have anything to eat? And they'd open the fridge and they'd be like, that was a mistake. This wall of garlic, right? What is that smell? And I'd turn beet red. Like, how do I explain kimchi to this person? Right? This is like a totally different thing. How do I explain my parents and like why they have plastic all over the remote controls and like everything's covered? Like, how do I explain these things? It's about preservation and keeping things new and I don't know, right? And I think the best way to tell people about something different that's outside of their experience or a memory of something they should know or might know if they were to step out of their maps, what, you know, how they're living their lives, is to tell stories, right? Because stories invite us into a different world. Right? That's why we go to the movies. That's why we read books. We like the stories because they, they help us to walk into a different place. And the universals are still universals, right? People are people. There's bad and there's good. There's character development. Uh, but this world is different. And the culture, the ethos is different. And this is why Jesus tells parables, because it's an entryway, right? It's the wardrobe into Narnia, right? It's the entryway into a different kingdom, a kingdom where God reigns. So what is the kingdom of God? If we were to define it, the kingdom of God is quite simply where the power of God is manifest. Like where we see the power of God at work. Right? God is moving. God is transforming. God is healing things. And then the kingdom of God is when and where it's recognized that God rules. Because you could, the smart people out there could say, well, God is always reigning. God is always powerful. God is omnipotent, Right? But we don't always recognize that. People don't always see that or, or submit to that, right? And so it's when and where the people of God or people submit to that and receive that God rules. God rules, yeah. I'll take that out next time. I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second issue, theme, motif that's running through the parables in Mark chapter 4 is, again, this, the greater parable uh, the sower and the soils. What is your posture? What's your soil? Are you rocky soil? Right? The seed goes in, it's, it grows up, but the, uh, the roots are shallow because they can't penetrate the rocks. And so other things come, the birds come and take it away. The cares and anxieties of the world come and take what was planted, the good thing that's planted, and take it away. Right? Or are you like, the seeds that were thrown into the soil with weeds and thorns, uh, blackberry bushes. Like, have you ever tried to cut down blackberry bushes? It's everything sticking to you and you get thorns all over and you're like, ah, right? They're just choked out, right? Nothing can grow, nothing else can grow. What's your soil? And that's my question to us. What's your soil right now? Are we hard hearted? Are we stubborn? Are we too busy to even receive what God has for us? Right? Are we uh, subject to the, the tyranny of the urgent, right? to anxiety, to like, am I going to get to work on time? Am I going to get this done? What about my children? What about my mortgage? What about 
you know, job security, retirement, da 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 And no, there's no place for anything else to sink in, like, you are loved, you belong to God, right? This is what I'm calling you to. What's your soil? And then after that big parable, Jesus gathers, his, his disciples gather around him and like, what did you mean by the parable? And he says something interesting. He says, the secret, right, the secret has been given to you. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And once again, is this like some sort of secret handshake, secret society type thing? I don't think so. It's the, mere, it's the fact that the disciples are being disciples and asking Jesus the question, what did you mean? When we push in and ask, what did you mean by that? We become learners and disciples. And once again, this is a matter of the posture of the heart. Are you a learner or are you like I am 50% of the time in my life? I know, I know, I know. Right? My wife says something. I know, I got it, I got it. And then 10 minutes later, what did she say? Like, I don't know how to do this. Um, but my posture is, I know. I got it. Competence. Right? Uh, but the secret has begin, been given to you. And then he goes on and just literally explains the parable. There's nothing hidden. There's, not, there's no secret key. You just ask me and I'm going to tell you. Right? That's the secret. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And Jesus says it right there. I'm not here to like pick only the elite. You need to be a spiritual green beret to be in this up with me, right? I want to disclose the truth. I want to tell you. Just come to me and receive. And then he says, so if any of you have ears to hear, then hear. Listen, listen. Isn't that deep? I think listen is such a simple word, but in our day and age, it's really difficult to listen. There's so much noise out there, right? It's really hard to stop and listen to one another, to listen to God. To just listen. Our passage ends. Um, well, I should go through the passage a little more. So the man sleeps and wakes night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, but the, the farmer doesn't know how. And the earth produces crops all by itself. First the stock, and then the head, then the full head of grain. Whenever the crop is ready, the farmer goes out to cut the grain and because it's harvest time. Jesus is saying there's a mystery to the kingdom of God. And this mystery is the power of God. And the power of God is the bottom line of life. It's the path to the good life. Right? You cannot make this plant grow no matter how hard you try. You cannot make it grow. But you know what? I will make it grow. God will make it grow. This is the kingdom of God. 
stop striving. Stop. There's that commercial. Stop banging your head against the beams of the attic. What are you doing? Go Go to sleep and I'll let it grow. I'll make it grow. I am sovereign. I am the king. The, the ruler of the kingdom of God is God. It's his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is where the power of God is made manifest and where his people receive that he rules and that he's sovereign. In your life, what is ruling or who is ruling? Amen? If you just take a deep look, who is ruling in your life right now? The parables ensure that we can't get cocky about knowing it all. Jesus takes time to teach and dialogue with his disciples to explain the mysteries. They aren't that mysterious at all, actually. It just takes a certain disposition, a kind of humility, a poverty of spirit. One who has ears to hear and is not too proud to ask, now Jesus teacher what does that mean and Jesus will say I'm glad you asked right Jesus what's going on in my life right now I don't get it I don't have the answers everything seems to be falling off the cliff or things are breaking or I'm messing up right I'm messing I keep hurting people around me but I don't know what to do Jesus, what's the answer? Can you help me? I'm glad you asked. I love you, and I will help you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. There's a peaceful rhythm to this parable about the seed that grows mysteriously, and we don't know how. It's an organic, almost cyclical kind of pace. It's not about our time. The cadence of ambition, busyness, impatience, survival, urgency. Um, Like my mornings with road rage and Seattle traffic a lot of times. And then feeling regret that I yelled at that person afterwards. Jesus says that this is what the kingdom is like. It's like God's creation. Out of the dirt and the mud, the ground, he blew his breath and created humanity. Can you create a person out of the mud? Anyone? Raise your hand if you can. And we'll kick you up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Out of the mud, he breathed life. With a word, he brought animation What can we do with dust? What can you do with mud? Nothing. Nothing. The man sleeps evening and night, evening and day, the first day. It's like the rhythm in creation in Genesis, right? Evening and day. And God's word is what brings things into being, into creation. Not the farmer, right? The farmer is a steward of God's vineyard, of God's creation. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word.
thank you for your stories, for the parables that you taught. And will you continue to unleash, just as a seed sprouts, will you sprout something new in our hearts? And as this church is launching in this new place, uh, as it's taking root, we pray that the roots would go deep, that our people um, would um, have fertile soil, and that we could receive your word, receive your call, and that, that those things would take root in us as a community, and that the goodness uh, of your gospel would, would uh, spread out from this place, that we would sp- uh, sow your seed, throw them out to everyone, and that those seed would take root because of who you are and grow, and that we would be amazed day by day at the growing of the plant. Um, May that be so in every aspect of our lives, with our neighbors, in our workplace, in our families, wherever we're struggling uh, to see growth and new life. Um, May the parables of renewed life, may your word take root and become reality. May your kingdom um, come on earth as it is in heaven. And may we recognize your power at work around us. In your name, amen.